Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we are back for another episode. This is our post credit scene episode, uh, which we sort of have our, our main feature episode and our post credits episode. So we're going to be doing a top five list and our ATE recommends section. Uh, Phil, do you want to tell people what our top five list is today? I think this should be a fun one. Yeah, our top five is a top five 80s films that we have never seen. Yes. So, you know, we are, uh, Phil and I are both big movie buffs. And that's why we do a movie podcast. That's probably obvious, but um, you know, there's we we watch a lot of movies. I think it's safe to say that there's not a lot of movies, a lot of you know, well-known movies that, that we haven't really seen. But as with anybody, uh, there are always uh, gaps, right? There's always movies you miss here or there that you know you just sort of never get around to for whatever reason. And so while yeah. we don't always like to admit those, you know, Phil and I, we can be the bigger man sometimes, right? So we're going to share. Our top five films from the 80s, one of the quintessential movie decades uh, that we've never seen. And I think we might even come back to this and do a couple of the other decades, right, Phil? It sounds like something. Yeah, because fun. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably spark some other films as we're discussing this. But it's mainly, it came to me because I always remember being a kid when you go to the video shop or store, for those of you in America, uh, and you'd, uh, you'd, you'd see all these various films. You know, you'd actually, on the big cassette tape box, or the video cassette box, and you'd see them, lots of them you'd be too young to see. And so you'd have to go and get them sneakily uh, if you could. Uh, and other ones, you'd, be, you'd, get a, you'd see a trailer on one of the uh, films you did get, and you'd be going, that looks amazing. And you'd never actually get around to seeing them. So some of the films are probably not very good. Some of them are probably best left forgotten. But some of them are also maybe some classics. I know some of them are ones you've probably seen a few, a, a few times. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of the thinking behind this uh, top five. Yeah, so it should be it should be fun. Um, we will, uh, as always, we are as for those of you who are watching live. Since we are recording live, uh, please feel free to jump in, share some of your movies that you've never seen or thoughts. You know, feel free to just jump in with what, how have you never seen blank? Because that's usually the reaction that I get with some of my films, at least. Um, although not yeah. too many, I don't think there weren't too many on this one where I was like, oh man, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that one. Where you know some of the other. Like the 70s is definitely an era where there's some really crazy, you know, well-loved films that I'm like, oh, I shouldn't tell people I haven't seen that. Um, but this one, I don't feel like there's too many of those. But but if you want to call us out or have a little fun, please feel free uh, to do so on the live broadcast and put your comments in on Facebook and we'll read them out loud and put you on the screen here in our episode. Um, here's what I noticed, Phil, and you tell me if it was different for you. Yep. When I was looking to find movies for the list, I you know I just went on the internet first, started searching for lists of '80s movies, right? So I could you know to to spark the memory, and yeah. I came to the realization I think I've seen every 1980s movie. Uh, <laughs> there was not a lot of '80s films. I mean, I went through some lists that were like the top 150 movies, and it was like maybe maybe four or five films on that list I had not seen. I was like, wow, I am well well versed in the '80s. I think of all the decades, I feel like that's the one I've got down. Uh, how, how was it for you? I, I quite. I Pretty much the same, although there were some biggish ones which I hadn't seen or don't recall seeing. 
But I think as it goes, as looking more and more into it, there's probably lots more smaller films or really bad films, which are the ones I've never seen. Kind of like the ones that you see on Red Letter Media where they do an, an episode called Best of the Worst where they have videos people have sent in and lots of them are from the 80s where it's, it's guys in, you know, like really bad. Well, a bit like in Community with Troy and Albert do the kick puncher thing. They have this cosplay stuff. And, you know, it's really bad uh, makeup and special effects and green screen and stuff. But I think they're probably going to be more of the films as time goes on than the ones I haven't seen. But as sure. I say, there's two or three biggish ones maybe, which uh, I haven't seen. But, yeah, 80s, uh, I've, I've seen quite a lot of them, which uh, I suppose many of our viewers probably wound up the same ages as it would be the same. Yeah, that makes sense. I, um, I, I, I will try my best not to give you any, what, Phil? How could you not have seen that movies? But I, I make no guarantees. Yeah, I think there might be one. Okay. <laughs> I will, yeah. I'll do my best. I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep it inside, but you might, since we're doing video, <laughs> you might see it on my face. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, do yeah. it. So. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you kick us off then? As I'm, 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 I'm intrigued to hear your list. So why don't you, why don't you start things off? Okay, well, partly inspired by our main episode where we went after the ending of They Live. Uh, mm -hmm. You can go back and watch it wherever you are. Have well, you never seen They Live? No. <laughs> I made it all up. Uh, no, it's uh, it's another uh, Roddy Piper one. It's uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown, which uh, okay. I believe it probably isn't that good. But it was <laughs> one of these ones which I always saw the, saw the, the, the poster and mm -hmm. then the trailer, but also the name as well, which always struck me as being a weird name, especially as a kid. Yeah. Uh, it was what is it, directed by Donald G. Jackson and starring people along with Roddy Piper. Uh, <laughs> set in a post-apocalyptic post wasteland, which was uh, often the way for lots of these low-budget 80s films. Mm -hmm. uh, looking at the synopsis on Wikipedia, I don't think I'm missing that much, but if uh, you're a fan of it, Connie, watching this, you can comment on Facebook. I mean, we'll see it, but it's still one of those ones I always mean to watch. I think I saw it on Amazon Prime mm. uh, and added to my list. Actually, I need to go through my various lists on streaming channels because there's probably right. a lot more films which uh, I've forgotten about which could be on there. But yeah, that was uh, that's my first one, Hell Comes to Frogtown, because I was always curious about it. Um, part of me now doesn't want to watch it because I'm bound to be disappointed, I think. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that could be a safe bet, but you never know. You never know. Yeah, like yeah. Mark Kermode says, every film could be Citizen Kane until you watch it. You just don't know. You know? Yes, yes. Have, have you seen uh, well, I, I was going to say, I, it's not on my list, but I, I can say I can say I join you in that one. I've never seen Hell Comes to Frogtown. I've barely even heard of it. Like, I've definitely yeah, yeah. heard of it, but not it's not a film I know a lot about. So. Yeah. Uh, but the, the clever thing is, though, you know, it's called Hell Comes to Frogtown. Roddy Piper's character is called Sam Hell. So Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> that that's that's genius. Right there, right there. He was not blessed with uh, really great character names in his movies. You know, in They Live, his name was Nada, which is a terrible yeah. name. And now Sam Sam Hell is kind of cool, I guess. But it's yeah, a, little, yeah. a little on the nose, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, what's your first one, then? All right, so my number five is um, actually a drama, sort of, a kind of a crime drama, I guess. And it's River's Edge from 1986 with Keanu Reeves uh, and Crispin Glover and Don Dennis Hopper. Um, you know, it's one of those, again, we're going to go back to the video store a lot for this. Always remember seeing the video store, the VHS cover. Um, I, you know, it was one of Keanu Reeves' sort of big early films that, you know, really started to put him on the map as an actor. Um, I think when it came out, I was a little young to, it was, you know, it's like an R-rated drama, not really my thing. But it's one of those movies I've always been curious about. 
you know, good cast, sounds like an interesting enough story. It's not something that I'm like, oh, I'm dying to see it, but it's just always sort of been in the background of, you know, I should get around to watching that one of these days. You know, I do like Keanu Reeves and, and what's it all about. Um, and again, like you, I think it's on one of the streaming services on my list right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I haven't gotten around to it yet. So yeah, so River's Edge from from '86 is definitely the one that I'm. Yeah, I'm that's about. that's one I've not seen, but like you, yeah, I've heard I've heard good things about it. I'm sure it popped up. Yeah, on, I think online recently. Pretty good reviews overall. I think it was a, a mostly well liked film. It wasn't a big successful film, but I think it got some pretty good notices at the time. So you're curious. Yeah. Yeah. So it's do uh, so. Let's see. Sorry, just one second. Well, let's quickly check. So River's Edge, a high school slacker, commits a shocking act and proceeds to let his friends in on the secret. However, the friend's reaction is almost as ambiguous and perplexing as the crime itself. That's a pretty good uh, synopsis. I'm intrigued with that one even more. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it's great. I don't know. I imagine there's at least some good performances in it, but curious to check yeah. it out. Okay, excellent. Well, my number four is one uh, from 1985. It's directed by... Larry Cohen and stars Michael Moriarty, but it is the stuff. And this is one I always remember seeing the trailer for this one, where there's like a, an ice cream which is being marketed as being low calories or no calories or something. Uh, people are eating it, but then it uh, mutates and ins inside them and ends up killing people and coming out the mouths and things. Uh, and it was always one I wanted to see, but because it was a horror film, and at the particular time I was sort of I just never got around to getting it. It was either always out or I could never get one of my friends to go around and watch it with me. I know it was being reissued by one of the ones like Arrow or Scream or, or one of the various companies which now reissue lots of these and remaster them. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it's still it's one of those ones the trailer always stuck with me, and part of me was always going, "Oh no, not quite nightmarish, but some of the visuals I really like that." And again, probably I know it's got a bit of a cult class uh, cult following with it. I'm not sure whether it actually deserves it. But as I say, I, I still want to watch it because, you know, it's oh, it's uh, actually an alien substance within the dessert. You know, mm. you've got an alien dessert, which is consuming people from within. That's uh, that's my kind of thing. So I'm not sure why I never got around to watching it in the 90s or something. Right. So, something like that, but uh, that's another one I came in to watch. All right, cool. Well, I, I will, again, I'll say the same thing I said last time. Not on my list, but also have never seen it. So yeah. that one I would be curious to see that that sounds right up my alley i'm a big fan of the blob so it sounds like this maybe a kid yeah, yeah. you know yeah that's kind of, right. kind of that's the kind of oozy body horror i think i kind of like yeah yeah totally all right so um my number four uh is is not entire well it's not similar but it's kind of i don't know maybe a similar genre um but it is maybe one of the most infamous slash famous b movies of all time the toxic avenger from oh. 1984, uh, Lloyd oh, Kaufman's yeah. Trauma Films. Uh, yeah. it, you know, Lloyd, for those of you who aren't familiar, Trauma Films is like the ultimate B-movie house. Lloyd Kaufman churns out these films that are like 35 cent budgets and just, you know, just pump them out from the 70s on up. Um, and most of them went, you know, straight to video and, and kind of, you know, were quickly, quickly forgotten. Toxic Avenger was the one that sort of broke out. You've probably seen the character. He's kind of green and misshapen. They even made a cartoon out of it at some yeah, point. Yeah, he has a mock, doesn't he? He's around fighting crime. Yeah. But there was a cartoon, which, which is crazy. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, and I think there are some sequels and stuff, but it's easily the most well-known of all the trauma films. He's kind of like the mascot for trauma films. And he's you know pretty well-known even outside of like your B-movie fans. I feel like even casual movie fans have kind of at least heard of the Toxic Avenger. Um, but I've never actually gotten around to seeing the whole film. I don't, not that I can remember anyway. Um, and I, 
I feel like that's kind of uh, as, a, as a slight something of a B movie kind of sore. I feel like that's kind of a, a big oversight. So yeah, uh, yeah, nineteen eighty four, Toxic Avenger, again starring people nobody famous in it. Although mm -hmm. apparently, in my research, I found out that uh, Marissa Tomei was an extra in the um, in the oh, director's okay. cut, which had extra feet, extra footage. She's like girl at locker or something like that. But I don't think she has any lines or anything at all. Yeah. So only in like the extended cut, not even in the regular cut. So yeah, yeah, that's oh, we did we did make Lloyd Kaufman. And, yeah, we uh, did, and Toxic Avenger, Toxie himself was there. Remember, yeah, got, uh, New York Comic Con a few years ago. New York Comic Con, yeah, Lloyd Kaufman and the you know cosplaying Toxic Avenger, their like booth mascot, Toxic yeah, Avenger. Yeah. We got we got to meet him. Everything I still haven't seen the actual movie, so yeah, I feel very nice about guy. That. James Gunn also cut his teeth working uh, for Trauma Trauma Films. Yeah, but I I have seen Toxic Avenger many many years ago, mm -hmm. but when like whenever I do watch any of their films, I was very drunk at the time. <laughs> uh, so don't recall too much about it, but I remember being, it's one of those films where you go and, oh my God, this is dreadful, but in a good way, yeah. and having a laugh and um, just basically riffing on the whole thing with my friends. Uh, but I, I, there's been constant talk of doing a remake as well. Yep, yep. And it's been in the works for years. It's uh, been attached uh, to it at one point, but, uh, but yeah. But uh, yeah, it's one of those so bad it's good kind of films. And they're always worth checking out, checking out the trauma films because... Right. Because if, if if you want to make a film, you're not sure how. Watch the trauma films, and you can see you, if you can make a film with barely any money whatsoever. Yeah, and it's also like 73 minutes, so like even if it's awful, it'll be over pretty quickly, which I feel like is a minute or not. There you go. Yeah. Okay, my other one, uh, my number three, sorry, has uh, been remade back in 2012, but it is Red Dawn. Which you've is never seen. Red sorry, yeah. <laughs> you you never really you've never seen the original Red Dawn. I've never seen like the original Red Dawn. I know, I know. But uh, John Millius directed it as well. I do like his stuff. I like uh, Big Wednesday, Blue Wednesday. Don't forget the name. And uh, Conan the Barbarian. But uh, yeah, this is the one that stars Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, C. Thomas Howell, Leah Thompson, Jennifer Grey, Harry Dean Stanton. Oh my God, Power Booth. What a cast. Uh, and we're. Is it what is it? The Soviet Union invades America. Yeah, I've never seen it. I know lots of my friends have seen it. I know it's the Go Wolverines thing. Yeah, Wolverines. Yeah. Uh, I think most, not just your friends, but I think most people our age have seen that movie. Like, I know, I know. percent of them, I think. You know, and I know lots of people as well I've spoken to have seen it say, yeah, the first 15, 20 minutes is great. And then it sort of goes, but. Uh, I would say actually, like the first hour or so is pretty good. I mean, the first 15 or 20 minutes is the best part of it, but like, the main thing for me is like it's it's I think it's like a little over two hours and it really needs to be a 90 minute film. It's a good film and I enjoy it, but it's definitely too long. By by about an hour and 40 minutes in, you're kind of like, okay, this can like it can be over now. Like I feel like they're stretching it out a bit too much now. You know what I mean? Like when you do watch it, you definitely have to just kind of recognize there's a really great 90 minute film packed into two hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a good film and I like it, but it's definitely a little too long. Yeah, but that's uh, that's one of mine which uh, I always meant to see. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure one of my friends we shared a house house with. He think he had it on either DVD or Blu-ray, but never got never got around to watching it. But it's that's out of the ones I already mentioned. That's probably the one I most want to see so far sure. compared to the other two. But yeah, you, I'm surprised uh, I've never seen it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Did you see the I remake? Say you've never seen it, so we uh, we've got to that point. <laughs> Sorry, didn't take as long as I thought. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> um, did you uh, did you watch the remake? Uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, like, don't, don't remember too much about it, to be honest. I thought it was actually a pretty enjoyable yeah. film. Um, you know, obviously people will say it's an oh, it's you can't, you know, it's, as with most remakes, it doesn't compare to the original, but I thought it was actually a little more streamlined. So I kind of, I don't want to say I like it better, 
don't know if it's a better film, but like as far as just pure like Friday night, throw on a movie, popcorn watching, it's a little quicker paced. It's, you know, it's much more of a 2000s action film, so they don't waste a lot of time. So I, I kind of like it. And Chris Hemsworth right. is in it, which is always a good thing. But Yeah, he's usually pretty good in whatever reason, isn't he? Yeah. All right. Okay. So there's our first you've never seen. I might give you one or two also. Yeah. Though, yeah. Yeah. You can hit me with. So yeah. um, we'll see if this, I don't know if this one counts though, um, if it's that shocking, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. My number three is Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, okay. With, yeah, uh, yeah. Steve Martin and Rick Moranis, directed by Frank Oz. Here's where it gets interesting. I've never seen any version of Little Shop of Horrors. Like ever okay. in my life. Yeah. I, I know all the high schools do it as a play. Never been to those. Never seen the 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 film version. Never seen the, you know the earlier the, the B movie version. I've never seen this version. Like I I know about Little Shop of Horrors. I know there's a singing plant named Audrey, right? And there's a doctor, or dent a dentist, but I I've never seen a single version of it in any form whatsoever, which is kind of weird. I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there, admittedly, part of it I think is sometimes when I think about watching it, I'm like. Okay, it's got a singing plant, an alien plant, and a dentist. Like it's not—it's kind of a bit of a hard sell, a little bit for me. Like I know there, there must be a reason it's been around for what 50, 60 yeah. years, like however long yeah. it's been around. So I feel like I need to watch it to sort of just kind of you know be able to understand it. Maybe it's really great. I don't know. Um, but it's—it's it's a hard one for me to sort of muster up the energy to be like, okay, a musical, not my favorite genre, with a singing alien plant. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I suppose yeah. it can be a hard sell. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So that's my number three. Little shot no, I, I understand. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's one of those ones which is popular, but not hugely popular. Probably like a big cult following. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I've seen I've seen one from the eighties with Rick Moranis, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's uh, okay. although it's not one I've revisited often. I think I've seen it a couple of times, but it was it was a good cast. It's it's funny. Some of the songs are quite catchy. Mm. Uh, but now I've just gone blank on all of them, so obviously, not <laughs> uh, but no, it's yeah, I can understand how you might not have seen it because, yeah, it's a musical sometimes, sometimes you've got to be in the right mood for a musical, especially mm -hmm. one involving alien plants, yeah, right, exactly. Okay, my uh, my uh, next one is uh, one which you you reviewed for Live for Films in your most recent DVD and Blu ray, uh. Roundup. It is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, written by Cameron Crowe and directed by Amy Heckling, uh, where it's basically a load of school kids coming to. Is it coming to the end of? What is it? Uh, yeah, yeah coming towards the end of the high school. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. A load of school kids doing what school kids do, especially yeah. in American movies, where you know, get drunk, get high, chase after the girl, chase after the boy. Uh, that kind of thing. I've always liked the look of it. I know it's been referenced in so many other films where I sort of get the the references. I can I understand that they were referencing back this film, but I've never actually seen it. Which again, it's another great cast. I mean, yeah, yeah. Looking at it, Phoebe Cates, J Jennifer Jason Leigh, Judge Reinhold, uh, Sean Penn, and it was recently during lockdown. A load of actors did a Zoom uh, reenactment and did a reading of the film as well, which I think involved Brad Pitt and. Jennifer Aniston and a few others. But yeah, never seen it, even though I do like the uh, high school comedy dramas of, uh, you know, that the Americans, that's, that's your people, uh, do very well. Um, well, here's the thing, Phil. <clears throat> uh, if we had recorded this episode two months ago, it probably would have been in my top two on this list. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I can't give you any crap for not having seen it. Yeah, yeah. One of those movies like you, 
where I had for the longest time, you know, up until very recently, never saw it. And then it showed up on one of the streaming services a couple months ago. And I was like, you know, I am finally going to watch this movie. <laughs> Um, because you know what? Here's what happens. I think it's an R-rated comedy, or I think it's R-rated. But it, even if it's not, it, it should be. Um, but it came out in the early '80s. It was 1982, and I was pretty young still, so it's definitely above my age range. And then by the time yeah. I was old enough to watch it, it was just kind of like this 10-year-old movie that I was like, well, okay. And then as I became an adult, and it was like, oh, Fast Times is like this kind of revered comedy that's got you know a lot of critical agreement it's a great film and all this then it just sort of became like oh i gotta get around to that one of these days but i never it seemed like anytime they would reissue it on dvd or something that would be the thing i wouldn't get to review so it was like here we go i missed it again you know yeah. um so when i finally got a chance a couple months ago i i was like i'm watching this movie and now they just put it out on a criterion collection edition which is what i reviewed for for live for films um so uh but i'm i'm right there with you it was one of those ones that escaped me for a long time and i'm guessing probably a similar reason is you were too young when it came out and by the time you're old enough it was kind of like hey you know in the back burner right it's the rear view mirror um i like fast times at richmond high but i don't love it i do think it's an important film because I think it's kind of a precursor to all of the 80s high school comedies that came afterwards. Um, like yeah. I wrote my review, you know, would we have a Breakfast Club or a Ferris Bueller's, you know, or Porky's even, something like that, if there wasn't Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I, I don't think so. I think that was a huge influence. Uh, and it, and it, but I think it was one of those ones where it was like the precursor that led to the really genius films. Yeah. But I think it's yeah. quite a genius film itself. Uh, although the Phoebe Kate swimming pool scene that's pretty famous, um, you know, I, I understand why it's pretty famous because it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. But uh, <laughs> it's also, there are also a few scenes in that film that are a little bit problematic when you watch it with a 2021 eyeball. Um, yeah. It, there's a little bit of stuff in there that makes you go like, mm, I don't know how well this would hold up in the, in the me too era. Uh, you know, uh, if it was released today, but, but yeah, so that's a, that's a, certainly a good choice. I do think you should watch it though. I think it's kind of like, yeah. an important yeah. film. I will, I will definitely get around to watching it. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's just, I don't, I don't find it to be the best of the genre. Okay. Well, that's good to know, but I do like it. Yeah. As you say, I like the way it's, uh, it probably fed into the well, be blueprints for ones which came afterwards. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, it's also kind of like a, a like half comedy, half drama. I feel like like it's definitely a comedy, but there's also some like serious stuff in it, you know. Yeah. Whereas some of the later films are much more just you know laugh out loud type of things. But yeah. is it kind of like uh, American okay. Graffiti, but uh, set set like in the eighties? Yeah, yeah. That's not a what kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit more set in the school in the mall, you know. But but um, but yeah, it's not a bad comparison for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, my number two is one of those important films that I feel like I need to watch. Um, but because of that, I think that's part of the reason I haven't watched it. Also, the fact that the director is not one of my favorite directors, even though he's incredibly popular, and the actor is not one of my favorite actors, even though he's widely regarded as one of the greatest actors. It is from 1980. It is Raging Bull. Oh, okay. Uh, Martin okay. Scorsese. Robert De Niro, yep, uh, the boxing yeah. drama, Jake Lamont. Um, obviously, a v I mean, really, Scorsese and, and De Niro were, you know, est well established at that point, but I think that movie sort of really helped cement them as like this powerhouse duo, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I like boxing movies, actually. I'm a big Rocky fan, you know, like all the Rocky movies and stuff like that. Um, and it's just one of those ones 
never gotten around to it. I always am aware. It's like, hey, this is like a big Oscar winner, a lot of great talent going on, you know, behind the scenes in front of the camera. You know, I, I should watch it at the very least. I should, I'll be able to appreciate it for being a greatly made film, even if I don't love it, but maybe I'll love it. Um, and it's just yeah, and it's, yeah. this black and white boxing movie that I'm just never in the mood to watch, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of these days I got to get around to it. No, I, I, I can understand that. It's uh, I have seen it about 10, but I, it was only about 10 or 10 or 11 years ago. I did see it mm -hmm. and it is, it's a, it is a brilliant movie. It's, it's well-made. The acting's superb. The way it's shot is amazing, especially the bits with the, the boxing matches within the ring where you do feel like you're right in there. Right. Uh, but yeah, I can un totally understandable why you haven't seen it because some of these films, which are critically acclaimed and are amazing and things, but, they are ones we sort of have to be in the right mood to watch it. Or, and yeah, for all the reasons you say, I can see why you keep going, well, I'll watch it, but no, I'm not going to watch it, but maybe I will. Right. It's one of those ones which keeps getting pushed a bit uh, to the side because there's always something else to watch. But it's it's worth watching, but I can understand why some people might not might like it. But you'll still you should still appreciate it for what it is because it is a very well-made film. Uh, right. But yeah, there's probably quite a few people who haven't seen it too, and the same for the same reasons you have. But uh, yeah, I watched it, I enjoyed it, but it's not one which I really want to dive into uh, very often. Unlike yeah. some other, but actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there's quite a few Scorsese films like that where I think <laughs> it's brilliant, but I don't really ever go back and watch too often. I mean, yeah. Goodfellas I could watch over and over, but yeah, lots of others are not that they're a hard watch. It's just the subject matter and the way they it deals with it, you need to be in the right kind of frame of mind. Absolutely. That's a good one. Okay. All right. So let's hear it then. What's your number one? Shock me. Surprise well, me. I think it will shock you because, to be honest, when I was doing the list, I thought I had seen this. And then yeah. realized I hadn't. I think I might have seen, ten, you know, maybe 20 minutes of it uh -huh. here and there. Okay. It's a John Hughes film. Mm. It's 16 Candles. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's, I honestly did think what because I do like John Hughes films. Mm -hmm. Again, as with Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it, I may have thought I'd seen this because of the way this has been referenced and talked about in various films and TV shows and because I've seen other John Hughes films. Uh, I always always had a bit of a crush on Molly Ringwald mm -hmm. when it was in the 80s, so it's another reason why I thought I would have seen it, but I liked lots of the other ones. It seemed, I, I don't know why I never got to see it at the time, uh, when it came out, I mean, it was John Hughes's. It was his first, well, his first directorial debut. Well, his directorial debut. So maybe that was why I wasn't aware of him at the time. But I don't know why I never went back to it because it's been reissued on video and DVD and Blu-ray a number of times. But I am surprised I have never seen it because I do like all the actors involved. Yeah. And I do like those ones where you know it's well as with Fast Times at Richmond High, the high school drama, comedy drama. Well, they want the who's going to get the girl or the guy. That kind right. of thing. I, I do have a soft spot for them, but yeah, I've never seen it. Interesting. So hope to see it's, it soon. Yeah, it's it's good. That one, I, I mean, I'm a big John Hughes fan, so I, I do think you'll like it. It's not his greatest film, in my opinion, but it is mm -hmm. it is a solid movie that I enjoy quite a bit. Great cast. Um, somehow, I will say, I'm more surprised about Red Dawn than I am about yeah, Six yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, mean, I think definitely worth watching. We actually just watched it, um, a few months ago again. I, I'd seen it before, um, but, uh, we watched it with my, with my, with my son and daughter who are teenagers now. And so, um, which was interesting because it's, you know, it's an eighties film, this PG, which is kind of like, hmm, <laughs> a few things. <laughs> that's, that's very PG true. than I was. Expecting. 
Um, yeah. But uh, but it still holds up pretty well, and I do. It's got some fun, real funny parts, and it's got some you know dramatic parts. But uh, it's it's a good one. I, I enjoyed it, so I think you'll like it when you do watch it. Oh, that's good to know. Good to know. But yeah, it was recently reissued, wasn't it, on Blu-ray? So yeah, yeah, it's out in a couple of formats. It'll be easy to track down when the time comes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, my number one, I went in a different direction. is not one of the uh, the comedies, and I, it, it, but I still I do think it's a film a lot of people love. Uh, it is from 1984, and it is Amadeus. Uh, this almost made my list because I've not seen it either. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. It almost made my list. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So you know what's funny is like when it came out. You know, I had zero interest in seeing it. It was like, hey, a movie about classical music. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The same. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was young, but you know, and even as like a teenager and stuff, I'd see it in the video stores and be like, yawn, not interested, right? And so honestly, for a long time, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. I know F. Murray Abraham, I think won the Oscar. Um, you know, I know it's a critically acclaimed film, but it struck me as one of those ones like The Last Emperor, you know, or one of those movies that's Gandhi where it's like super long and boring and whatever. And what happened though was gradually over the years, more and more people my own age would mention it as one of their favorite movies or would be like, you've never seen Amadeus? Like it's so, it's so good. And I just started like, it started to really become one of those things where many people I know would rank that very highly on their list of films, which tells me it's not like one of these like three hour long, boring epics. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, that it's, there's something to it that I wasn't really aware of. And so I've actually become now very interested in seeing it. I just haven't had a chance yet. I do keep my eyes open for it. But, you know, I know at the very least I'll get good performances. But from what everyone's told me, it's a very um, engaging film, a really, really just, you know, great film from start to finish. And I feel like I'm, this isn't one I feel like I, I need to see as far as because it's an important movie. I don't think it's, I mean, I think it's well regarded, but it's not like one of those movies that's in like the pantheon of like the greatest movies of all time. But I feel like I'm, I'm missing out on a really good movie that I, I think I'll enjoy. Um, and so not having seen it, I feel like, you know, I'm doing myself a disservice. So I want to see it because I want yeah. to see it, not because yeah. I need to see it, you know? No, that makes sense. I mean, that was, that was another one. I always remember the trailer uh, mm. when I was uh, younger uh, and sit sit through it and thinking, well, this looks a bit crazy because uh, I think it was like fast cuts and people laughing and being a bit maniacal and lots of yes, oh, that's the... yes. Now that you're saying that, it brings it back too. And uh, yeah, it's it's like hmm, right? Yeah, but it's one of the ones I think was ones where I was intrigued by the trailer, but then you know, going, well, am I that you know, am I that cultured at the time to want to sit down and watch this one about classical music? Right. I think it's more than that, isn't it? I think it cheats Amadeus It's more like a punk. Kind of uh, yes, and it's a lot more. I think about the rivalry between Amadeus and Salieri, yeah. and the jealousy, yeah. and there's there's a lot more. It's not just like a biopic, yeah. you know. It's, yeah. it's different from that, from what I understand. Yeah, but it's one of those ones again where you, have, you say, but it's critically acclaimed. But as time goes on, it, it keeps popping up in like you know best film lists and things like yeah. that. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's one that I I think I I do need to watch at some point. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I really want to see it. I, I feel like enough people have told me how good it is that I, I need to I need to listen to them. You know, yeah, so hopefully it's on streaming somewhere. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I don't know if it is currently. Uh, I haven't seen it recently. Although you know, new month, uh, everything comes up again. Yeah. So yeah. I've been I've fully checked everything, but it, I'm sure it will be at some point, and I'll watch it yeah. when it does. Well, good, All right, good, cool. Good films. All right, so that's our top five '80s films we've never seen. So some pretty, I think, some pretty interesting choices there. And look, nothing that we were too embarrassed to admit. So I feel like that's pretty yeah. good. And I think we will definitely return to this because uh, we'll probably find more over the next few weeks, months, or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, oh yeah, yeah. Right, right. 
And I do think it'd be fun to visit some of the other decades. You know, 70s and 90s, I think, would be fun. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't go in the 60s, even the 2000s. I wouldn't go in the 2010s yet because that's still fairly recent. But I think we might we might do these uh, again in some future episodes. So Yeah, kind of, I, think, I think maybe the 70s and the 90s, there might be ones more. You've not seen that? Yeah, I know there's a couple in the 70s ones. Although I have now seen all the Godfather movies, which, you know, a few years ago, I had not seen all of them. And that would have been a big one. But Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely some 70s ones where I'm going to have to go, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. <laughs> um, so, all right, cool. Well, let's start uh, Let's start to move towards our, our last feature here, Phil. It's going to be ATE Recommends, which uh, is when we share things that we're enjoying right now. It can be movies, books, music, food, whatever we want it to be. Um, so let's do it. Phil, do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Uh, well, I'll go first, shall I? I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go books. yeah first of all, I have, uh, well, it's a collection or graphic novel, whatever you want to call them these days, but it's uh, Firepower by uh, Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney, which is, uh, I picked it up this week, actually. It's basically, it's a bit like uh, the Iron Fist kind of thing, lots of other martial art ones, where it's like a, a guy's going searching for the truth about things or the, the an ability to do things, and he finds a hidden... Uh, temple or school in the mountains where he is taught how to rediscover the firepower, which is basically throw fireballs around. But the artwork is stunning. The uh, the way they do uh, they do fight scenes in the comic is really well done. Uh, great characters. I love the story. The story has kind of been done lots of other times, but I like the fresh spin on it, especially by the, uh, the main teacher of the school. And it's very intriguing, especially with the the way it leaves it, because this is the pre prelude and things go on. So I want to get the next books uh, and I just really like them. It's worth checking out. That's Firepower. And the other thing, it's a, it's a fantasy role-playing setting for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, but it's one of your fan of Peter Pan. It's Neverland. Mm. And it's actually just, it's it's uh, really well done, but it's a beautiful book as well. Yeah, it's nice looking. It's got this uh, very stylish, but... It's got some. It's basically as if Neverland has uh, moved on. And you find out what's happened to Pan and Wendy and things, and it's it's got this this very cool art style within. I don't know whether you get the uh, all hard to make it out in here, but it's got some great. It's got great details about various characters. It's got loads of tables. It's got a hex map about the island. Tables about everything. It's even got a map for the inside of the crocodile. Oh, wow. big, so you can you can go through it, but it, it deals. It's it's quite dark in places, but you can have an incredible adventure, and it's it's actually just worth a good read, just for the. It's just it's a, an extremely well made book, and if you're a fan of Dungeons and Dragons fantasy, because I'm not a big fan of Peter Pan, but I just think this is absolutely amazing the way it's done, and it uh, keep trying to figure out how I can get a party, a D and D party to get there, but uh, hopefully one day, and it also just looks really nice on the bookshelf, which is. Uh, which is always a nice plus, but they're my two recommendations this week. Excellent. I'm um, big fan of firepower. Um, I, I read the prelude graphic novel when it came out and I've been reading the monthly comic every month ever since. And it, it is, uh, it stays awesome. I'll say that. I think oh, it just, the 11th issue just came out. So I, I totally agree with that recommendation, Phil. That's an excellent recommendation. Oh, um, well, I just have one this week and it's a, it's a, it's a large size one, but it is this one here. Uh, Al Williamson, strange, 
uh, Strange World Adventures. It's brand new. I actually got it through Kickstarter, but you can get it. Uh, it's it's available on regular. Uh, well, probably through like Amazon or some kind of online bookseller, or you can get it straight from the publisher Flesk Publications. Um, he he specializes in art books, mostly from comic book artists. Um, Al Williamson is. Uh, I've become recently fairly obsessed with him. Um, he was a uh, an artist back in. Well, he started in the 50s and 60s, was real popular, worked all the way through the 90s. Um, but he did a lot of stuff on like Buck Rogers. He did some Star Wars stuff, um, Flash Gordon. You can see here some of his artwork. And um, oh, he's just yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. an incredible artist that I, I, he was a little before oh. my time when I was younger. Mostly the main thing I knew him from was doing, um, here's some Star Wars stuff. He did the Return of the Jedi comic book adaptation, which I read about a thousand times when I was a kid. Um, but I didn't really have much of an appreciation for him. And I discovered him a couple of years ago, kind of some of the larger body of his work. And I've sort of become obsessed with him and, and his style. He's just such a fantastic artist. He's not, he's, he's a classic. He was actually a contemporary of Frank Frazetta. Um, they worked oh, together wow. for comics. Frazetta inked him. Um, and Williamson himself went on to become a pretty renowned inker. Um, so I've just sort of fallen in love with his artwork. And this is a really nice art book. It tells some history, but it's mostly artwork. There's a couple of complete stories, like short stories in here. Um, and it really kind of spans his, his you know, the, the bulk of his major parts of his career from the 50s to the 70s uh, and a little bit into the 80s. So uh, Al Williamson, Strange World Adventures from Flesk Publications. Totally worth checking out uh, if you're interested in some really great comic artwork. That's a, that looks like a beautiful book. And I do like those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. And it's big, oh, which I like. Yeah. And I think when I put this, upload these videos to YouTube, I will try and get links to where you can buy them, the publishers, uh, whatever, well, wherever you can get them. I'll get them, yep. try and get them put into the uh, the description. That'd be great. Absolutely. All right, cool. So there's some good stuff for you. Some, some good reading and gaming material for you this week. Uh, and that is going to start to wrap us up. So this was our, um, this was our uh, post-credits episode. Uh, we'll be back uh, live in two weeks. Um, meanwhile, if you're listening unlive whatever uh or watching unlive there should be a new episode next week because we're staggering them a little bit so yeah. um, thank you everybody for watching and or listening uh we're gonna sign off now so that's that's about it uh as always appreciate you guys being here uh, i'm mike spring i'm phil edwards and we'll see you next time after the ending